of Ghost Squad and Witchly. And I'm Kat Cho, author of the Kumi Hotelology and Once Upon a K Prom. And this is Write or Die Live. Wow! Hello! Welcome! <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Welcome to DVCon 2022. Uh, this is our Saturday night special. It's called Write or Die Live. If you are not familiar with our amazing writing podcast called Write or Die, it's where we host authors to talk about their journey to publication, however hard it may have been. But tonight, we're going to do a something something a little bit different, where we read your anonymously submitted horror stories about publishing and the publishing community. Um, so should we just dive right into it? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do awesome, it. Awesome. Let's get into it. Okay, so I'm reading first, the first one. Yes, you are. Let's go. Spill the tea. Okay. A week into querying. Okay, this is from an anonymous author, everyone. They're, in all, case, they're all anonymous. In case, in case nobody knows what's going on. Maybe someone just jumped in and they're confused. Okay. Um, a week into querying, I came across this agent's MSWL manuscript wish list calling for non-Eurocentric stories. Um, he comes from a big agency and his profile seemed impressive dazzled by his credentials. I immediately sent a query without thinking much else. No, don't ever do that. Afterwards, I dug deeper into this agent's history and found major red flags. Basically, he was on writer beware for scammy and unethical practices. Oops, should have checked before I sent that query. But then 12 hours later, that same agent emailed me back asking for a full. Whoa. Here was my first ever agent response, and I couldn't even be excited about it. His agency shared submission inbox. His agency shared a submission inbox, and I saw on the email thread that an assistant likely forwarded my query to him with a single word highlighted that's related to my ethnicity. That felt weird to me then. <laughs> Did this agent actually look at my query package? His one-line email felt somewhat unprofessional to me as well, but I'm not sure. It's well to me that... a a bad agent who's been exposed can still operate so freely. That said, it was my fault for getting carried away at the start. I should have done my research properly. It's been almost two weeks and I still have not responded to that agent. Is that fine? I really don't want to send another email just to withdraw my query after he's made a full request, but maybe it doesn't matter. Anyway, I've learned my lesson now. Oh, I bet, I bet, I bet I know who it is. We're not going to say who it is, but I bet I know. (laughs) Not the author, the agent. The agent. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so let's first of all, don't feel bad. People have like snafus all the time. If you want to hear about like some people's most embarrassing publishing stories, listen to Write or Die. Not so subtle plug for our podcast. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, well, first of all, like I think this person already gets it that they yeah. should do research. Um, so super duper important because it is true you shouldn't be querying anyone who you would not be super duper excited to sign on with them with what you know about them yeah um but logistics wise like their questions at the very end i am personally in under the camp of that they should professionally withdraw their query what do you think clarabelle Um, so like the petty side of me is like, I just wouldn't say anything because like this person wasn't professional to them, but you just never know if someone who's at that agency is going to be an agent you might want to query later. And just like to be on the safe side, it doesn't cost you anything to do that. You don't, after you do that, 
you do not have to keep engaging with that person. And I actually wouldn't suggest that you do because the thing with agents like this is that they are good at being sneaky and they're good at manipulating authors into oh no but hey what if I got you a movie deal what I saw I have somebody already interested I've seen agents who haven't signed authors and send their books to editors like without asking for permission like a huge submission not even personalized like BCC 50 editors and like that can ruin your chances of your book being picked up later on like you don't want that to happen to you you don't want to work with somebody like this so I would just say I'm professionally withdrawing my query goodbye and that's the end of it um I will say I agree for anybody watching this don't ever be surprised that somebody is still uh operating and publishing if they're not working well because you will be surprised first of all there are people who they're you know because of nepotism are like really deep in ingrained into the industry they're not going anywhere um people who just aren't going to suffer consequences for whatever reason and a lot of authors a lot of newer writers will defend an agent that is not a good agent because they feel like well I'd rather have any agent like they've made good sales so I don't care and like will really go to bat for them and that doesn't mean that the person's not doing bad things but you you can always find someone who will defend people who are doing the wrong thing in this industry. So don't assume that all the bad people are going to be weeded out, even if the stuff is public, even if the stuff Mm -hmm. is public, do not make assumptions like that ever because they can still be in there. And um, yeah, don't, don't query people without researching, man. (laughs) (laughs) That's the issue though, right? Because like, because these agents can fly under the radar or even like blatantly do bad things and still like be operating, the only person who can shield you 100% of the time is yourself. And so like you really have to have faith in yourself and your own process and your own skills. Like just know that you deserve someone who is gonna champion you and who's gonna do everything they can by you and like communicate well with you. Don't settle for someone who is like giving you small even if there's small red flags in the beginning red flags are red flags and they matter to you um never ever ever settle and yeah there's and the problem i will say too is that some of these big agencies like this says that he comes from a big agency especially if it's a giant agency like icm or writer's house like that is really huge and like I don't know what their hiring or vetting process is, but it's very possible that like someone who has schmagent tendencies can still be employed by a big agency like that. So yeah. like, I would just make sure that you're always protecting yourself. Don't want to scare you guys. I will say majority of agents out there all all want to do well by you and like mean the best and are in the industry for the right reasons. So, yeah. so even though there are some outlier bad players that get talked about a lot they're most of the agents are in it for the good the right yeah reason. yeah just be vigilant you know because a lot of times also like I said scammers know what they're doing and they will make sure that the good things about them are rising to the top of google they will do a lot of interviews they will just completely like cram the system with like all the good stuff about them so that you can't find the bad and so that you see all that mm-hmm. good stuff and that you're like dazzled by it right like this person clearly knows what they're doing so just be really careful and like always remember it's a business and like don't let yourself get taken by these people because it's not worth it 
for sure. Okay, next question. <clears throat> Back in 2018, I signed with a well-respected literary agent who claimed to, have to love my young adult novel and wanted to take it on sub after a few minor tweaks. Six months and two full revisions later, she suddenly said she hated the ending and wanted me to double the manuscript's length. I said I would try. It never came together. Fast forward to now, and we haven't spoken at all in over three years. I have always thought, as long as we haven't contractually parted ways, there's a chance we can work together on another project together. But after this many years, should I take her silence as a red flag and just move on? Pretend <laughs> this flag is red. <laughs> only focus, just put your hand over it so you can just only see the top. Look at the red part. It's a red flag. Okay, here's the... <laughs> Here's my, I'm going to, I'm going to go through it. This, this short story is not that long, but number one, the fact that she wanted you to double the size of the manuscript, unless the manuscript was created to her 40,000 words, like an agent wanting you to double the manuscript, like I would really want to know their reason for having to have that much more information in the book. And if they're not giving you good reasons for it, like you should, I, like I would be confused and concerned like there should be good creative reasons for why an yeah. agent is drastically making you change the length of your novel like that's a huge change of the length of a novel yeah um and honestly three years of, of radio silence that's way too long your time is worth money and you should not be forced to wait three years to be able to go on submission again yeah doesn't um, matter who the agent is yeah absolutely just so you know someone in the chat asked if we could talk a little bit slower so gonna try to do oh, that. Sorry, <laughs> so sorry. Um, I agree with you. We're Kat. so passionate. <laughs> We're so passionate, and we both do talk very fast. So we'll try to slow it down. Um, I I completely agree with you, Kat. Like three years is way too long. I am someone who left my first agent, so I understand where you're coming from. Like where this person's coming from. Um, it's scary to be an agent. It can feel like you're starting over. But realistically speaking, if you haven't spoken to your agent in three years, you there's nothing to start over from. Like you're not your career's not moving forward. It's not going anywhere right now. If that's how long you guys haven't spoken, I completely think that it's a red flag. You should be in communication. As a matter of fact, one of the reasons why I left my first agent is because I remember telling you this, Cat. I actually forgot I was on sub because we talked so infrequently that mm -hmm. I just I was like all right I have a book on sub like I was never getting updates I was never sort of like being looped into things um and it turns out that my agent was dropping the ball on a lot of different opportunities that were coming my way and I didn't know about and I found out about because I know everybody um and unfortunately for that agent I people told me like hey I actually ask your agent to send me your book and they never did could you imagine that I was devastated I was devastated and so yeah. if you I don't remember have, when that happened yeah and so if you don't have people telling you that it could be that people are just like oh they don't want to work with me right like people can make assumptions about the reasons why you're not sort of like connecting with them and you might never find that out so um I would say don't be afraid to move on when it's something like that like Three years is way, 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 way too long. And I, I would say for querying too, I've seen people on Twitter say like, I sent my query to somebody two years ago and they haven't responded. Should I still hold out hope? Move on. Move on. Yeah. 
move on because if, if an agent is so busy that they're not entering into years, they should be close to queries or they don't have time for you right now. And that's okay. But you want somebody who has time for you. You want somebody who is going to be able to respond to your emails in a timely manner, read your work in a timely manner, because, you know, agents obviously will prioritize their um, clients first. So it's not necessarily that they're going to, you know, be on top of queries all the time. But two to three years, I would take it as like a no response, whatever, like that means no, or I would just move on. But yeah, that is, yeah, that is way, that is way too long. And if you feel icky about like not having it for, I, I am a kind of person who's like, put it in writing to protect yourself for the future because you never want them to be like oh we never parted ways formally and like we had a contract and like that book that you just sold is actually like you can't sell it or whatever you never know so just like part ways formally but I would get somebody else a hundred percent I agree someone just asked what does on sub mean so it's just a shorthand for being out on submission to an editor um and your agent is usually the person who sends out your book to be on sub most editors especially at the big houses um only accepts agented submissions um and also i will say of oh, hi poncho there's a little cameo by by poncho hey what are you stuff. eating he's eating something off the floor <laughs> oh, God. Poncho. um <laughs> so yeah I, i'll say also too um for this person, I have some follow-up questions for you, just for you to consider. Obviously, you can't respond to us right now, but um, have you tried sending them um, new work that you've been working on, like new projects, and they've been radio silent on that too? Um, I would say that if they are not responding to you when you have something ready to be looked at, then that means that maybe that, that you should probably move on and find someone who is ready to look at that and to work with you on that project. because. The fact, if, if you have something ready to go and all you're waiting on is your agent, that should not really be happening for this long period of time. No. Um, That's so yeah. frustrating. Frustrating. I'm so sorry to this person who submitted this. I'm, I'm so sorry, too. Like, you deserve way better. You deserve somebody who's going to be talking to you, who's going to be wanting to know like what's next for you and like I have check like normal check-ins like it's normal to have check-ins with your agent and like me and Susie have multiple check-ins throughout you know the year and um her assistant will send me like usually like a weekly or bi-weekly like email with like all like pending stuff like blurb, blurb requests things that I forgot to do um and then like me and Susie usually have like one big talk like a year or every six months about like my new projects and like what I'm working on next and like that's normal like that's what you should be like wanting and like expecting from your agent someone who's going to be like proactive in your career and wanting to know what's going on with you and it's just strange to me that someone wouldn't talk to you at all for that long so you deserve way better Okay, next. Um, um, I want to talk about agents dropping clients if they can't sell them at submission. What is up with that? I have a few friends who signed with the same agency as me and who seemed happy enough until they went on submission and then because their books didn't get picked up, they were dropped. I felt awful. How common is this? Surely agents must drop clients all the time, but we rarely hear about it. 
why do agents drop clients but not others who fail to sell? Is it a personal thing about working with that writer? I know a few writer friends that were dropped by one particular agent um, who had who had actually sold their work but then decided to create her own agency and didn't bring many of her clients with her and then they were picked up quickly and others weren't. How can we as writers steal ourselves for stuff like that happening? Um, what should we do if we are dropped by our agency? How do you, we make ourselves attractive for other agents to pick up? Should it be talked about more? Um, should we also talk about agents that leave one agency and may or may not take clients with them? What is the protocol there? Are clients better staying where they are or going to their with their agents to a new place? Thanks. Lots of questions. Lots of Lots of questions. Stuff. All right. <laughs> well, okay. So first of all, just talking about agents who part ways with their clients. Here's the thing is that I do think that an agent choosing not to work with you anymore feels like such a blow, right? Mm -hmm. It's such, you worked so hard to get that agent in the first place. And now that agent has decided for one reason or another not to work with you. The first thing I will say, though, is that the agent should be communicating with you their base reasonings for why they don't think this relationship is going to work out anymore as the reason for why they want to part ways. Now, that doesn't mean that they have to explain it to you over and over again and have a bajillion calls with you, but they should at least be communicating like, I just don't think that we're a good fit anymore for X reason. Right. Um, I think we should part ways. Um, so if that's what they're doing, I would... I, I would caution you against using the word dropped by your agent because it's just such a morale, like it just lowers your morale and yeah. you just feel like bad. Yeah. Um, agents part ways with clients for professional reasons just as much as authors are allowed to part ways with agents for professional reasons. It sucks because there is like a like a power imbalance within publishing, um, but at the same time, both sides of this professional relationship needs to be in it, you know, and needs to be comfortable in it. Um, and if one of them isn't, then then they might have that conversation. Yeah, it's it's really difficult. I think that the feelings associated with like an agent not working with a client anymore are also associated with the fact that like the agent client relationship is like a really romanticized thing in publishing, which I think is really toxic. Like your agent is not your romantic partner. And if they part ways with you, it's a business decision. Yeah, it sucks. Sometimes it can be sketchy, but for the most part, sometimes it's just not working out for them. Sometimes the agent realizes like, I have too much of a workload and my life situation has changed. I can't do this anymore. That does not mean that they're an awful person. It just means they're not, they don't have enough time to dedicate to you anymore as a client. And they're making the right decision to let you go and find somebody who is going to have that time to invest in you. And it's hard to think of it that way, right? It's hard to think of it in mm -hmm. a way of like, they're letting me go so I can find someone who's actually good for me. Because in the moment, that's not what it feels like. <laughs> yeah. It does not. It does not. <laughs> But that's what it is. If an agent is dropping you, even if it's for messed up reasons, they are doing you a favor. They're doing you yeah. a favor because it means you don't want to work with somebody like that. So you're going to find somebody who values you, who wants to work mm -hmm. with you, who's going to stick by you. And that's it. It's not the end of the world. Like switching agents, getting a new agent. I have friends who are on their like fifth, sixth, seventh agents in this industry it's really not that big of a deal. And I think that it's a bigger deal when you're newer and when you don't, when it is such a huge thing, right? Like getting an agent is like 
the thing that you want. So mm-hmm. the, the the imagining having a new one is like devastating. Like I remember, you know, like I said, when I left my first agent, even though I was so unhappy, I was like, I was really crushed. You know, I was really, really upset, but um, it was the best thing that could have happened. It was the best thing that could have happened. Um, let's yeah. try to like so, answer some of these questions. Yeah. So for, if an agent drops you specifically because you didn't sell on submission, I'm sorry, but that's like an, a posthumous red flag. Yeah. <laughs> if they're like, because it meant that they signed you for that project and not for you as an author. Mm-hmm. And we're at this point now in this industry where agents are there for an author, for an author, for an author's career to make you as an artist, a better artist throughout your career. Not just because you wrote one book that they think they can sell. Um, I really don't personally know any agents like that, that are, that are operating these days. Um, If it it existed in the past. Can I interrupt you for one sec? I'm so sorry. Poncho is having an emergency. I need to quickly take him outside for two seconds. Can you just. (laughs) Poncho's looking at you so angrily. All right. I'll I'll just talk to myself. Yeah. I don't want him to like (laughs) pee on himself. So I'll be back in like a second. (laughs) Poor Poncho. Okay. Pretend the bunny is me. All right. Okay. So Bunny Clarabelle and I are going to talk to you guys about how, about some of these, these questions. Okay. So question number one, how common is it for agents to part ways with their clients? Um, It's not uncommon. Um, So definitely don't feel bad about yourself. If your agent does come to you and says that they don't think that this working relationship is going to work anymore. Um, And also to address the idea that like an an agent signed you for a certain project and after that project doesn't sell, the agent seems less enthusiastic about your work. I would very much like encourage you to consider where you are now as a writer versus where you were when you first signed with the agent. And maybe you've just changed as a writer. Now, this is not to say that you have to excuse an agent who is being who is not being supportive of you or who is not being communicative with you. But it will also say that as an author, we have so many different sources of anxiety. We do not need to be adding more sources for ourselves because like that's just not really healthy for us. So so it is very possible that the writing style you have now has evolved since you first started working with this agent and they have realized that they are no longer the right agent for who you are as a writer now. Um, Ideally, they would have a conversation with you to see how to evolve your working relationship so that you can both stay in it. But if you've had a couple of those conversations, it's going nowhere, it's kind of staying stagnant, then that might be why an agent is asking you if you think it's better to part ways. Um, uh, Is it personal? Is it a personal thing about working with that writer? Um, Everything, unfortunately, in publishing has a degree of being personal to it, just because we're making art and artists put a lot of who we are into our work. And anyone working with an artist who relates to our work relates to us on that personal level to some degree or another, right? So even though we are connecting on a personal level, it is still professional. So like, if you can compartmentalize, that's great. To be completely candid, I cannot. Um, But I do remind myself constantly that this is a business and not everyone is trying to do things to me because they don't like me or because like, it's not because they don't 
like you as a person or they don't like working with you as a person most of the time it could just be that professionally you don't click um next this is there's a lot of questions in this one um do, do, do. okay so you know a few writer friends that were dropped by an I'm agent <laughs> i'm just sorry hello i'm i'm just going through them one by one i heard everything you said because i had my um oh yeah. Good. <laughs> uh, do you agree or disagree with anything? <laughs> I agree. I agree. I actually wanted to add something. So like, I remember um, when I first got in the industry and I was hanging out with an agent um, and they told me about a, a writer that they were um, parting ways with. And that writer was just like being really mean to them. And it is very hard <laughs> to be like, you're being mean. <laughs> so I I no longer, um, I no longer want to work with you. Like sometimes you just have to be like, this isn't working anymore. And you don't want to get personal about it. You don't want to be like, Hey, mm -hmm. you're being terrible. You're being rude all the time. Like, yeah, maybe someone should tell them that, but it's not that agent's responsibility to do that. So it can be really difficult to like, sort of like know when an agent is leaving a writer for their behavior and like just make sure you're not that person like treat agents with like respect like you're a team like you work together they don't work for you you work together in conjunction so like that the the whole agents not working with uh authors anymore thing is really tricky it's really complicated there are a lot of things that people don't know like the full picture of so um mm -hmm. I think if you look so, at it through the lens of like business it will be a lot easier for you to digest agreed let's I'm going to condense some of these final questions into one big thing to talk about so we can move on but uh, just talking about the process of when an agent leaves an agency and taking Ooh, their yeah. friends with them or not yeah um so I actually experienced this. I actually did go to a new agency with my agent. Um, and the process of that was that when she decided that she wa was going to accept the offer to work at a new agency, she set up calls with each of us as her clients to let us know one to one that this is what was happening and to give us all the information why she thought that this was a great agency, what she thought it could offer us and to express interest with us for us to move with her. Um, and then once I personally made the decision to move with her to this new agency, because I personally had signed with my agent, not with her agency, like that's why I chose her. Um, she walked me through the process of, of professionally parting ways with the old agency, which of course she had already alerted herself. So they were not surprised when I asked to do that. And then I signed my new contract with the new agency. Um, so it was a really straightforward process and it was really guided by my agent still. Um, and so, but alternatively, you could decide not to move with your agent and stay with your agency, mm -hmm. or your agent can say that they, you know, are only take, they're not taking all of their clients. Usually when an agent does that, every time I've heard of it, the agent does try to solicit other agents at the current agency to, to see if they will take on this client. Yeah. Um, I've never heard of an agent just, uh, I've never heard personal stories of an agent leaving an agency, leaving a client behind and not helping them connect with the other Same. agents at that agency. Same. Yeah. 
And like, it depends if you want to stay with them or not. And like the reasons why they do it really varies. Um, Sometimes it could be sort of like they were going to part ways with them anyway. And this was just like the sort of like catalyst to do that. Sometimes they will have less support at a new agency. Um, so they realize like, I can't take on as many clients as I had because I don't have a film department or I don't have foreign rights and I'm going to have to be handling a lot more things for the clients that I do have. So there's a lot of consideration that goes into it for them. Um, but I would say like you, like Kat said, like you should sign with an agent that you want to be with for them right like that like obviously the agency should also matter but like the person that you're with specifically is like the most important thing so like if there's nobody there that you feel happy with then just find someone else um Mm -hmm. I found from the people that I've spoken to and from my own personal experience that once you have one agent finding the next agent is easier and I think that is partially because like you've been through it like you know what to do but also like it's sort of like you've been vetted in a way like people know like oh this person already had an agent once so like I think they're a lot um, more likely to sort of like look at your materials or take a chance on you especially if you've already sold books and like have a proven track record that's like a whole other um ball game but um but yeah it um it's it's a lot the whole agent thing is a lot (laughs) getting an agent is such a harrowing process I will say though it's it's not as scary after some time like when you realize like agents are people too and and you know you and you also just need to have faith in your own skills and you have to like trust in yourself to like know what you need and what your creative process needs like that's super duper key um the last thing I'll say about this before I read the next stories is that um it's fair an agent is leaving an agency to hang their own shingle, which means to start their own agency, their own separate agency on their own. It's fair for you to take a step back and make a pros and cons of going with an agent to a brand new agency versus staying with a, a well-established agency that probably potentially has more support like in its infrastructure just because it's been around longer. Yeah. Um, I think that's totally fair and all agents would completely understand that except especially an agent that's taking the leap to hang their own shingle yeah for sure yeah also i want to address something in the chat somebody said um lacy said for me an agent uh talking about another client with me particularly in a negative way would be a huge red flag i expect a degree of confidentiality because i mentioned that the agent talked to me so First of all, the agent was talking to me as a friend. They're not my agent. I wasn't considering them. That was like a completely separate thing. They didn't tell me the person's name. And agents have friends in the industry that they talk to the same way you will talk to your friend about something happening with your editor. Like sometimes agents and and authors are friends. Agents and editors are friends. And people talk like you cannot expect. Like I would say if they were telling me like, uh, like private information about like a deal or like personal information, mm-hmm. then that's complete. That's off limits, right? Like obviously not. Um, but from friend to friend, like that does happen. And uh, I think that mm-hmm. as long as you're discreet about it, like you're not telling me the person's name, like you're not telling me their business. You're just venting to me as a friend, and I'm not like querying you. <laughs> you're telling me these things. Um, then that's mm-hmm. like a different situation. So I just wanted to make sure I address that. Yeah, and just so everyone knows, Clarabelle and I are authors right now, but we have both worked on the other side in 
publishing. Um, Clarabelle worked in marketing and publicity. I worked as an editor, acquiring right. books and, and working with authors. So yeah, we do have mixed groups of friends. And so just, just so that you're aware, like obviously no, we don't expect you to have assumed this if you didn't know us already, but that's why some of our stories are kind of mixed. Like it sounds like, wait, why were you chatting with an editor like your best friends with them? It's like, well, yeah, because some of my best friends are editors. Yeah, we've, we've I been around be an editor. a long time. That's why we're like we're yeah, publishing but, gremlins. <laughs> yeah, but, but we are not the, the the what we're not what most authors are like so it's totally fine that you didn't understand that yeah you know that background um yeah and we're yeah, not I've like had, other girls <laughs> I've had some of my um some of my publishing friends cry to me and be like so and so made me cry and I was like oh I kind of know them and but like you know you got to be professional I mean that's what happens in this industry it is a very social industry. Yeah, when people say people talk in publishing, like that's what they mean. Like you have relationships and friendships with people. Like you might work with a publicist for 10 years, right? So like they become your friends. Like there's nothing that you can do to avoid that sometimes. Um obviously you always want to like maintain a level of like professionality with everything that you do professionalism is professionality a word I think I just made that up um, um it is now it is now um we just made it one <laughs> um, you heard it here first everyone we're like freaking Shakespeare <laughs> yeah exclusive we should move on to the next question before I make up another word <laughs> oh yeah okay um so this one actually is three short stories put together. It, it's the anthology of anonymous Amazing. stories, if you will. Um, <laughs> edited and edited by me. Um, <laughs> story number one. <laughs> Listen, it's it's nighttime over here, so we get to be a little bit wonky. Okay, story number one. I am querying a romance that centers around a cultural and religious group not often represented in the genre, one that I share. I've gotten a lot of, wow, this is great, but I feel I'm not the right person to represent it, which is confusing. I understand 100% if my writing isn't up to scratch, but it's starting to seem like it's the marginalizations which are the real issue. Okay, story number two. I am disabled and share a particular neurodivergent condition with the main character of my novel. When I first started querying, I included that information in the bio of my query letter. After some form rejections, I removed just that one snippet in my bio. The rest of the query has was identical and immediately got partial re requests. It could be coincidence, but it still left a bad taste in my mouth. And story number three, I recently submitted a queer romance and was told by the editor that queer romances don't sell and that there isn't a market for them. Goodbye. It was really demotivating. Goodbye. And made me take a more, <laughs> I know. And it made me take a more critical look at how few queer romances are really out there in the market. I was surprised to find very few that weren't erotica and wondered if agents are hesitant to take them on. Uh. Um, so obviously, these are all about people who have been open about their marginalizations and writing about their marginalizations yeah. within their stories, getting certain types of rejections in publishing. Um... Honestly, I I would say that I wish I could say like, oh, it's so rare for this to happen. I'm so sorry, but I can't say that. But I can say that when this does happen to you, you have every right to peace out of that relationship and to never address that person again. 
because there are much better people in this industry who are doing so much in order to support marginalized creators in the way that we deserve. And you can and will find them if you keep looking and keep being a part of this community. Yeah, I agree with that 150%. Like, there are going, there might be people along the way to discourage you, but, and you, you might not find as many books as you want representing the things, but that you write, but they exist. They're out there. There are mm-hmm. people writing these kinds of things more so now than ever. And that's growing. And the reason why it's growing is because authors like the ones who wrote in didn't give up and found the people to connect with. Um, In terms of like, I'm not the right person to represent it. I think that's like a pretty standard sort of like form rejection type of thing. Mm-hmm. But if you feel it, it's also like if you feel that the marginalization is a reason why it's not happening, then, you know, I'm not the person, I'm not going to invalidate that. You know, a lot of times our instincts are correct about it. Um, And all I can say is I'm really sorry because like there are going to be, depending on who you're querying, who you're reaching out to, there are going to be people who are bigoted in this industry. That still happens. It still happens. I wish that I could tell you different I remember when me and Kat were like baby writers and we would hear like horror stories from like established people and we would like go to each other and be like oh my god <laughs> like oh be like did you know people say this my to your face <laughs> god we couldn't believe it um and that was like five years ago which is like forever yeah. in publishing <laughs> it's both forever and yesterday all I can say all I can say is that listen there are people who are looking for whatever you're writing there are people who are looking for it it's a matter of finding mm-hmm. those people and continuing to write and not giving up because like your voice is needed and it is really hard to overcome those kinds of rejections where you feel like they're rejecting you as a person because they're re- mm-hmm. you feel like they're rejecting your marginalization, but not everybody in the industry is like that. It's just a matter of finding the right person at the right time. There might be some people in that group who are saying it for bigoted reasons. I guarantee you not every single person is. So it's a matter of finding the right person to match your story at the time, um, which is already such a lot, like such a hard thing to do. Removing all of the barriers that marginalized writers have to go through, getting into publishing already is impossible. It is so hard. So when you add that on top of it, it, it is it is so much harder. But like, you have to keep going. I will be so mad at you if you don't. I don't know who you are, but I, in my mind, will be mad at you if you don't continue Mm -hmm. to write and to push yourself. Um, Oh, we have 20 minutes left. We have to keep going. Okay. Um, Okay, yeah. And I I will also say, just for a resource for you guys, um, you know, obviously, you know about DVCon since you submitted this story to us. But if you want to look for publishing professionals who are supportive of diverse creators, then just look no further than the faculty and the committee of DVCon as a jumping off point. Hopefully the people who have worked so tirelessly to support us through this conference um, will give you some hope because a lot, a lot of agents and editors have come together in this conference and there are many more where, where they came from, I promise you. Absolutely. And look at the people who are representing people like me and Kat and people who are writing these marginalized stories and like go to them, you know? 
Um, yeah, and oftentimes, sorry, just before one last thing. Oftentimes, if an if an agent is like is like working hard to represent diverse clients, they'll even if they don't have a client with your diversity in their client roster, the odds are that they would at least be open to your query and to wanting to represent more yeah. diverse identities. Um, yeah. Um, I also just want to do- mention people. People do want queer romance they do want queer romance there is queer romance is good and wonderful and you will find people just keep on going readers want it just go on tiktok for three seconds and you'll realize that people want to read gay books so (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah queer romance is amazing i don't know if you're in the adult space or in the ya space um and and i do know there there are two different spaces but definitely in ya and new adults that were huge, huge. yeah they're mm-hmm. very well supported um Clarabelle, what do you think about us doing this one that i have highlighted because i think it's it's a good quick one and then we can do audience questions. yeah let's do that one okay okay all right i signed with my agent last year and i'm on submission i can already tell that my agent is a, a good fit for the long term i initially wanted a multi-book deal but i'm starting to think it's best to limit my deal to one book because I don't want to stay with my agent any longer than I have to. If I'm able to land a book deal, I'd like to get another agent before pursuing a deal for a second book. When would be the best time to part ways with my current agent? And how would I query potential agents at that point? Please also feel free to share any additional advice you might have. Thanks in advance. And thanks for all you do for the writing community. Um, Leave right now. (laughs) Leave now. Corbel and I both have the same facial expression. Don't. Do not Wait, okay. I've had to I've deal had with this friends. agent for the rest of you, the book. If your book sells with this agent, you have to deal with them for the rest of this book's career. I left my yeah. agent in the middle of that submission. It's yeah. your intellectual property. You're allowed to pull it from sub. I found an. I found. I got seven or eight offers of representation from a book that was already on submission. It went on submission again after heavy revisions. So if you're worried about that, don't be. Go now. If you're not happy with that person, goodbye. Yeah. Here's the thing. Any professional decision that you're making, and this is for at any point in your career, if you are trying to compromise the you know artistic integrity of what you think the book or the series should be, if you're trying to like limit yourself creatively or limit your possibilities because you think that you're not allowed to like, you know, advocate for yourself, then I will tell you right now, that is not true. You are always able, you're always allowed to advocate for your work. You're always allowed to advocate for your career. Just got to do it professionally and you're probably fine. So yeah, like the idea that you would limit yourself to a one book deal in, in what you, it seems like it might have been a series you you said you initially wanted a multi-book deal so either it means it was supposed you have an idea for a series or you already have other book ideas why would you limit that creative idea because you are you know worried about leaving an agent you already know is wrong for you just throw that out the window and you can yeah I would say right now please pull this from submission I think we need to talk. I don't think that we have the same, you know, ideas in mind for my author career. Yeah, I completely agree. I completely agree. Yeah. Like you, you don't, you, 
working with someone professionally that you don't get along with or you feel like don't have your best interests at heart is not great. It's not good. Yeah. You don't want to put yourself in that position. So just go. <laughs> just go. And yeah. also, like, if you don't trust someone, they're going to be negotiating contracts for you that can, like, get you in really sticky situations, that can, like, get you less money than, like, what you deserve or you could have gotten with an agent who's better. Don't ever sell yourself short. I think if I could make authors do one thing, it would be to have more confidence in themselves. Because, like, with the majority of the questions that we've gotten tonight, a lot of, or, or like, stories, a lot of what it has to do with is, like, confidence. Like, people already know that something's wrong. They already have the instincts. They already mm-hmm. feel that, you know, this isn't right. This is not what I want. You need to believe in yourself more. You have to realize that you are the asset in this in this situation. And you need to value yourself enough to say, I'm worth more than this. I'm worth someone who is going to make me feel supported and championed. And that's who I want to go with. And, um, yeah, just... I hope yeah, you leave. <laughs> agree. Yeah, just like I, I'm making that believe rainbow above my head right now. Believe. Um, <laughs> the okay, straw just um, got stuck to my lips. Question. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because because I that's how funny my joke was. It's, it's, it was my it's lip gloss. Straw what are you funny. Drinking? <laughs> I'm drinking a matcha, a brown sugar matcha latte. Um, <gasps> did Ashley? What are you drinking? It's white cloth. <laughs> no, I made it for myself. Oh. Ashley doesn't need to do everything. Well, because for me. when I went, Ashley made me a matcha um, latte. That's why. That's just because she got there first. I would have done it for you. Okay. Well, anyway. Um. Anyway. All right. So. Anyway, audience questions. That's and that's the segue to audience <laughs> questions. <laughs> um. Okay. Y- you pick one to answer. I love this one. So Brittany Lewis says, I will miss the podcast, but what have you learned from hosting writer die? Oh, don't make me cry. Um, anything stick with you the most? Um, oh yes. Good. Thanks for, uh, thanks for asking a question that's about us. <laughs> um, I've learned so much. Like for those of you who don't listen to the podcast, like the reason why I started Write or Die was because Kat was on sub and Kat was like, I'm never going to sell my book. Um, she was so stressed out. It had been two weeks. Yeah, it was, like, so (laughs) early, and I was, like, Kat, like, you know, as, like, Kat's, like, like, one of Kat's best friends, like, of course, like, she comes to me about, like, all her insecurities, like, that's, like, you need friends like that, right, who you can tell, like, it's been two weeks, I feel like I'm never gonna sell. I will say, when you're on sub, time moves so slowly. (laughs) Like, two weeks can feel like a month, so... It felt like so long, Clarabelle. I was like, I can <laughs> prove to you that it, it takes longer to for most writers. And I started Write or Die because of that. Like, to prove to Kat and to, like, comfort her um, while she was going through sub, like, with stories of, like, other authors who had, like, gone through it. And, like, what I learned is, like, we all have so much in common. And, like, I feel like so many times, like, 
authors' humanity, especially with social media, is, like, lost a lot of times. Um, We're seen as, like, a book, a product, a platform, a brand. And, like, we're all human. We're all trying to – we're striving for this connection with our readers. And we're all so similar no matter what we write. Like, no matter, like, what our path is, like, the thread of, like, humanity and, like, wanting human connection is, like, so universal. And Ride or Die has really, like, cemented that for me and really cemented, like, what writing is all about. Like, telling a story that sticks with people and that helps people through hard times, makes people laugh, makes people believe in love again, makes people heal after grief. Um, And all of those things amount to human connection. All of those things amount to, like, friendship and love and the things that are really important in life. And um, Ride or Die has been, like, a blessing, you know? Like, I, it's it's sort of, like, sad that it's run its course, but, like, I feel like it's the time for it to like go and I feel like we 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 left such a sort of like really cool foundation of like interviews and, and information for authors for like future generations and I'm really proud of it yeah I mean honestly it's been so amazing like it's grown a really fun community around it um and I think that's a huge thing too is is giving having a space where people can find community and find each other and and you know it it i i feel like it should be more than just twitter and like instagram and stuff um so so writing podcasts help people do that and and i'm really really proud of what we've accomplished um i'm so proud that my freak out caused a whole entire a freak out in in the seven hour car ride to (laughs) on my family vacation but no I mean honestly like I will also say that like something that I've definitely learned is that so we try to um, interview people from all over the spectrum of publishing we do like to have a de facto focus on trying to push marginalized voices and give a platform to marginalized voices um but We've interviewed people who, you know, sold their book in like 2001 versus people who are debuting this year. And I think I think that kind of also just shows some of the universality. Like that's a word, right? (laughs) The universality? Uh, no, because Claire Ball's right. Like there's there's always like something in common that all of our guests really do have of like just wanting to share their personal stories with people or wanting to share something that they love with other people oh good universality is a word um but yeah so like doesn't matter when you're published doesn't matter how old you are what genre you write in what medium you write in um we all we all love stories and we all love sharing it with each other and, and that makes you feel a little bit less alone so yeah I learned that from write or die yeah um, yeah um, so someone, someone says, asked for a book that focuses on business of, of writing, and then someone in the chat said um, before and after the book deal, which is the book I was going to recommend. That's a really, really good, like, sort of, like, step-by-step of what happens when you get published. So go get that one. Awesome. Um, okay. Uh, how about some of the we've answered a lot of querying questions although I guess like most people are asking about querying um okay so then how about the biggest mistakes you see querying writers make I feel like the biggest mistake people make is querying too soon 
Oh, yeah. I Although I, w- I do want to tell people that like you like there's a difference between querying too soon and it, there's a difference between not feeling ready to query, but actually being ready. <laughs> um, we legit we literally had a guest on 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 this year, uh, our friend Akshaya, who like just didn't feel ready oh, to query. Oh. Even though her book is is amazing and has been amazing for a really long time, um, and just needed that push from somebody, so so I do think that people should um, just you know if if the only thing holding you back is anxiety, then um, you know maybe just take the take the dive. I I sent one query letter out the first day, and I said to myself like. I'll just, if this person responds and wants like a partial or a full, then I'll take that as a sign that like I should send out the rest of these. (laughs) They responded, I like, they responded in like five minutes. (laughs) And I was like, no. Was it Jim? Because I I didn't want to send, was it? No. Was it Jim? No, he rejected me like real, real quick. Okay. Jim McCarthy rejected both of us. Yeah. Um, That's the name of one of our episodes. It is actually, yeah, shout out, ride or die. Um, so <laughs> this whole panel is a shout out to ride or die. Um, one thing that I think that querying writers, a mistake that querying writers do, do um, we already touched on it, but it's not researching agents and like think and underestimating themselves. It's all in the same vein, underestimating yourself um, and therefore thinking that like you should take whatever scraps are given to you um and and querying agents that you know aren't right for you but it's because you're like think that maybe they're the only one who will you know accept your query um and then this is something that I had to talk to Clarabelle about you guys is that you deserve the best agent so like do not let do not let you thinking an agent is like a superstar or above you stop you from querying that agent Yep. I, I never queried Susie because I was so intimidated by New Leaf. I was like, everyone who signed to New Leaf is beautiful and I don't deserve to be there. Lee Bardugo is a god. Like the only reason why I queried them <laughs> is because Susie liked my pitch during DB Pit and was like so super like on top of it and like really aggressive. But I didn't think I was worthy of being with that agency. And it is so silly to think that like I hope you all believe in yourselves way more than I did in that moment um because you do you you do deserve it you deserve someone who's gonna champion you um what how do you find agents that appreciate and value stories with main characters that are women of color lgbtq and other communities um well we briefly touched on this before but I think that um it's so hard that's so hard I would say people who are walking the walk like people who are already representing those kinds of books um I will also say really give a chance to like the agents that are from those communities like black agents like Mm -hmm. women um black women um people who queer agents like all there there are agents who are like newer and and are from those communities like look into them and like really see like give them a chance and talk to them um but look at what people say versus like what they actually do and like who they represent, how long they've been around, like see what the agency is doing. Like if they prioritize and like have those kinds of people in their roster, I think that's really important. I agree. I, and 
you know, what you could, what you could do is, you know, and, and I think this advice is pretty universal and given to everyone is like, look and the acknowledgements of authors that you respect, um, authors who are diverse authors, you know, who are publishing and we all put our agents in the acknowledgements, um, because like there's a reason our books got sold. <laughs> um, and then you can see like which, and a lot of agent names are going to show up multiple times and you'll notice it and you can like mark those trends and, and you can know that they're probably someone who does champion diversity and successfully if they're selling all these books. Right. And then, yeah, Claire, like Claire Ball said, newer agents, you should give newer agents a chance. Like, you know, everyone started out somewhere, you know, everyone had to be a new agent at some point or another. Um, so I would never discount someone just because they haven't built up their list yet. Um, I, I would just make sure that like whatever presence they do have on, on the internet or out there is something that, resonates with you you know even if it's just a few interviews um it's fair for you to be like oh I, I really like how this person talked about it in this one interview let me give him a chance yeah and also talk to other marginalized authors like talk to other authors who are from your communities and see what they say because like we have our own like channels of communication and we will let you know if someone is not cool <laughs> Yeah, and we have our safe spaces. I mean, I will say like, you know, because this is DVCon right now, um, and this is very timely, there's a Discord. And if you're, you know, if you're here, then you probably have access to this Discord. And that's where a bunch of, you know, creators just like yourself are at this very, very moment. So go in there, make some connections, um, ask your questions in there. Um, and that's what it's for. Like, that's, that's what conferences like DVCon, or even just, um, you know, one to two day pitch events like DV Pit. That's what it's for is for you to like see your community out in out and saying like loud and proud, like diverse stories really do matter. And we're all yeah. here together to say it. We have two minutes left. Yeah. Um, um, okay, why don't we just do like final, like, what's what's a word of advice you'd like to give people, Clarabelle? Um, I think I've said it a couple of times this, this, uh, this session, but just like believe in yourselves really. And like, like believe that your, your story has worth. Um, I think if you move from that, everything that you do, um, will be done well. Um, if you just always value yourself and don't let people take advantage of you. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'll say that like, you really need to get into the business mindset because there, there's a ch difference from when you move to just writing your stories alone in your office or your apartment to then trying to get that book published. And um, it's smart to be business-minded about it. I know a lot of people are like, but what about the art? Does that mean that like I'm not genuine anymore? No, it just means that you're advocating for yourself. Um, so really just think like in any other industry, how would you do this? How would you do professional communication? When would you reach out to your manager, to the, you know, to the project lead, to a business partner. Um, and that all still applies in publishing because we are also a business. Yeah. Um, okay. I think that's it. We're, we're done. Thank you so much for coming to Write or Die Live. If you haven't already, buy pre-order Witchlings by Claribel A. Ortega. <laughs> Where are your books? Well, I, and Once Upon a Came From by me. Yeah, Once Upon a Came From. Go Squads out now. Witchlings is coming out April 5th. Go get our books. Yay. <laughs> and 
and happy writing everyone and and yeah thanks for coming yeah you're here right now you're already doing the thing we're so proud of you we love you guys Thanks for listening to Write or Die. Be sure to check out Wicked Fox by Kat Cho. And Ghost Squad by Clarabel A. Ortega. And while you're at it, make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a review. See you next time, wordies. And don't forget to spread the word.